0: So it's autumn, a time for harvest festivals and family reunions. And if you're planning on getting together with your family, you should protect yourself and them by getting an updated COVID vaccine. If you are 50 or older, you are at greater risk for hospitalization and death, especially if you have a chronic disease. So get an updated vaccine now. Need more information? Talk to a doctor. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. We can do this paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian.
0: And my name is Maggie.
1: And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals.
0: We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Casey Ma. Casey, Hello. welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure being here. We're very excited to have you on the podcast. So let's get right into it, Casey. We would love to know you know, what your upbringing was like, where you grew up, where you were born and raised, and what your childhood kind of shaped you to become the person that you are today.
1: Yeah, so I was born in North Jersey, very, very close to Manhattan in New York City up until I was 18 years old. I grew up actually in a very like Caucasian neighborhood. So from my upbringing, I already experienced a lot of I guess you would say like, unfortunately, bullying and everything from my schoolmates and stuff like that, just because I would like look different, or my culture was very different. So I had to assimilate like really quickly and figure out how to kind of blend in with my American heritage because my parents had like no idea what was going on since I was, you know, first generation. And it wasn't until I went to school in the city at NYU that I realized there are a lot of people that look like me and diversity is actually a thing. And it was the first time I actually felt comfortable within my own skin. And, you know, it really sucked that it took my whole childhood to kind of realize you know that i am normal and there are people like me and i can be seen even just as beautiful or accepted so i had a very like interesting semi i guess traumatic experience like growing up looking different but i think it's really shaped who i am today and made me a lot stronger of you know an asian woman in america today so that's how i grew up studied economics in school I also landed a job right out of college in the fashion industry, but more on the analytics like number side. So I'd work a lot with the buyers and I would be a financial planner for, you know, Lord and Taylor. And then I got recruited into Macy's as a pricing manager and analyst. And then I got recruited again by an external data analytics firm slash consulting company as well. So, I just kind of jumped salaries like really quickly. And I definitely felt like everything that I thought was going against me when I was younger was all of a sudden, you know, coming into fruition. And actually, in my career, it didn't matter at all. And being Asian was actually an advantage because we're just smarter people, <laughs> we're like really smart and intelligent. And because I had to learn how to socially adapt quickly with people that might have not accepted me right away. It's easier now for me to like read the room. And if, you know, even if someone doesn't initially like me, how do I break that barrier and make them feel comfortable to make me feel comfortable too. So I think that helped a lot with, you know, my job experience and throughout all of these jobs, I finally landed that six figure income job. I was so excited, made my parents really proud. However, I was traveling every other week and I actually launched my blog the first year out of college. So I, you know, did content creation old school where I would write articles on my blog. I, we were called bloggers and it was about fashion. So basically I would literally take my iPhone 4 at the time and ask my coworkers to take pictures of my dress, dresses during lunch outside of the department stores and like find random parks to just take photos in. And I literally was like, you know, never like nothing has to be perfect in order for you to start anything. And excuse me. And I don't know. I just launched my blog that day. I posted three times a week. I would stay up until like two, three in the morning every day after my job, just posting on blog posts and coupling that with my Instagram at the time as well to drive more traffic to the website. And I had no idea that it was going to be lucrative. Until maybe six months later after launch, I had been very consistent about it, barely sleeping. Someone offered me money to wear their hat and their shirt six months into, you know, just launching. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you can make money (laughs) off of this. You know, it was just such it was like a shell shock because I was just doing this because I love to write and I love to take photos and I love social media at the time. And influencer wasn't even coined a term at that point. So it was back in 2015. Like nobody knew what that was. So it was really confusing as to why people were paying me to wear stuff when I I wasn't even that big or anything like that. So I just kept up with it, was being consistent, started going to New York Fashion Week every single season. So I became really, really big in like the New York you know, fashion industry of like influencers. Two years later, the influencer term came around. A lot of people started flooding the industry. The market load was getting like very heavy. I started hiring like assistants, photographers, videographers, people that would help me run my newsletter, publish my YouTube videos, edit my videos, basically like follow me around New York City and New Jersey to like take photos and help me kind of put everything together. So it was it was really like a full blown social media agency almost, but like for myself. So anyway, I was running that like, you know, it was a business, but instead of the product being an actual physical, tangible product, it was me. And, you know, as an Asian American, like we're not really taught to kind of like brag about ourselves, if that makes sense. So it was like really weird that like the spotlight was on me and I was still trying to be humble as much as possible. And like, write about motivational stories and like growing up and how that it kind of affected me like my troubles and my struggles. So I still try to keep as grounded as possible. And I think a lot of that has helped me keep the humility that I have within this industry is that you know, I came from where the influencer industry was not a big thing. It wasn't very vain. It was kind of we posted because creatively, you know, we liked it. You know, we liked writing, we liked photos, there was not really a thing such as like clout chasing back then, we really just we're writing to to just do it and publish things and make ourselves happy and fulfilled in a creative way. So yeah, that was definitely like a weird experience. My parents were like, this is a cute project, you know, you're doing on the side. Like, this is adorable. Like, I, uh, this is great. And then once I hit my six-figure income job, you know, traveling every other week, I was like, hey, dad, I have to tell you something. And he's like, what? And I go, so I'm going it- to you know, quit my job <laughs> and pursue uh, being an influencer full time. He's just like, I remember I was at a steakhouse. He just looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, how are you even going to make money? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, what do you mean, dad? I'm already making money. I'm making part time income with my part time hours with a full time job. And he's like, how much are you making a year? And I'm like, like $30,000 a year. And he was like, Oh, wow, that's actually, I thought you were making like $200 a year. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just like so surprised. And obviously, 30K is not enough to live off of either. But like I just believed in myself so much that if I had put all of my hours into something that I really love, I feel like I could really make it full time. So, you know, before quitting my job, I made sure to save up a year's worth of savings, which is like a ridiculous amount of cushion. Like usually have people have like three months, six months, but I was like, no, six months of savings. And if it, all else failed, then it's fine. I can always go back to my job. Right. So I quit. I actually quit because I, I was taking on too much as well. So what really like pushed the needle for me was I was traveling in a plane from Ohio because we were traveling a lot. And I remember getting up out of my seat and I wanted to get water from the flight attendant. So as soon as, you know, the seatbelt sign like turned off, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to get some water. And I remember like my hand is like reaching up towards the kitchen. And all of a sudden I faint and I black out. I hit my head on the corner of the seat, you know, those like plastic armrests. Yeah. And I really hit my head. (laughs) And then next thing I know. I'm like sitting up in a chair and I wake up and I'm like, did I just faint? Like I'm like looking at so many people are like surrounding me, like wondering if I'm okay. And I know I had drank before like water and and ate food and ate dinner beforehand. But I think because the stress level, my body physically couldn't handle a full-time job like with such high demands, and also me trying to succeed at a side hustle. And it was at that point where I was like, Okay, I really need to step back and realize like, what just happened to my body. And, you know, at that time, also, like, two months before that, uh, my mom had just got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So Mm -hmm. with that, and, you know, coupled with me like fainting and, you know, blacking out. And, you know, actually we had to rush to the hospital. They had emergently land the plane for me. The whole United airline, like literally we, we landed two hours into the flight and I had to stay overnight until like four in the morning. And I couldn't even tell my parents because they were sleeping at the time. So like I was just all alone. And, you know, even like my, my boyfriend at the time was sleeping, too. So it was just like I felt so alone. And, you know, it really brought me into like this mindset where, you know, I'm young and I need to do what I love to do now. You know, I, you know, with my mom being sick, I wanted to spend more time with her. She also made me realize how life is precious and you never know like when it's going to end. So you might as well just give everything your all and not make your body suffer like that. So, you know, all of that together, it just made me really want to pursue, you know, my dreams. So that was, That's basically like a really long story about like how I came to be, you know, like where I am for at least content creation. So that's why I decided, you know, to pursue that route.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear what happened with your mother. Uh, I mean, that must have been such a heartbreaking time for you, especially when you were juggling both your job and being a content creator full time and doing both of those things. And with, you know, health issues with, you know, people in your family that just weighs down on you so, so much. And it it just goes to show like, if there's just so much on your on your plate, you know, all that burden on your shoulders, we get burnt out, you know, we get burnt out so easily. And that's why you probably fainted that's probably why you fainted on that on that plane and I'm so glad to hear that you're okay now me too (laughs) but that is such an amazing story Casey like there's so much to break down there and I was just going to ask like what year you started content creation you said it was 2015 Mm -hmm. and you're right at that time like No one knew what an influencer was. Like no one really knew that you can make money off social media, and people were just posting on Instagram just to post on Instagram, like posting their food pics and posting like yeah Yeah, selfies. Like (laughs) exactly, it was like
1: your jewelry. Like it was the same stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like very very basic stuff, everyday kind of stuff. But like no one really took it seriously to the point where they knew, oh, I could possibly be making money off this. So for you to actually. You know, kind of think a couple steps ahead of everyone else. And mm-hmm. even if you knew, even if you didn't know that you can make a lot of money off of it, but you still went at it and kept at it, it just goes to show like that perseverance, you know, like maybe this will be something in the end. Mm-hmm. And it really did become something in the end. And it's yeah. just so amazing to see. I know that you were juggling both your job and content creation did you always have like this entrepreneurial mindset? Like, did you grow up thinking you were going to become an entrepreneur or was it something like that just came out of nowhere because you started content creation? Because, you know, working your nine to five, it is, you know, everyone always says like, if you don't come from an entrepreneurial background, it's really hard to see like that entrepreneurial mindset or have that entrepreneurial, not entrepreneurial mindset. So I want to hear from your perspective, like, did you always know that you were going to become an entrepreneur?
1: Yes, actually, when I, when I was a kid, I, I mean, it probably helped because my dad is also an entrepreneur as well. So he actually wanted us to all have like a stable job because I know he said he struggled so much to launch his business. And he obviously wants the best for, for us and to have a stable job. But like within myself, I knew I always wanted to start something of my own. And I knew I wanted it to be in fashion. So hence the fashion blogging, which is what I started in. And originally... I actually bought my domain. My company is called the StyleWrite LLC. And under that company, I was going to actually curate local designers and boutiques and sell them via a storefront online. So it was going to be like very similar to Ideally or Gilt, but less about flash sales and more about promoting local businesses. And that was the domain I originally got and it was on Shopify. (laughs) And then I realized, you know, even though I landed these meetings and was able to talk to these store owners and they really loved the idea, I couldn't leave my job in the middle of the day to negotiate these meetings for three hours, you know? So, and by the time my work ended, I couldn't see them at 7, 8 p.m., like they had to go home. So I knew that wasn't viable, you know, for my first type of entrepreneurship. So yeah, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And like even now, I'm visiting this idea back and I'm starting a gaming accessories tech brand. So it's it's just always within me to start something and try new things. I'm definitely a go getter. And I'm I'm not afraid to take risks. I'm always make sure they're very calculated. But yeah, you know, I'm taking I'm making this brand for females. I'm all about like, female empowerment, too. So you know, everything that speaks to my soul is just I just try it out. And it's not my first idea, either. Like I've had five other different ideas. I've had like a fitness brand idea, you know, like a lifestyle clothing brand. I've had jewelry. I thought about beauty. You know, I've thought about so many things, but I really wanted to give back to the industry that saved me during the pandemic. And that's when I had pivoted into Twitch gaming and streaming. And I realized how much of a struggle it is to become a female streamer. And I was like, let me give women that all the tools and the confidence that they need to, you know, be able to make these cute setups and, you know, know that like marketing themselves is really important. And I want to give them the tools, you know, to be able to create that type of environment for them.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I I know I can tell I can obviously, you know, tell that you have done so much for female representation and woman representation. And Mm -hmm. especially with being a Twitch partner, you know, we can talk about that as well. I really want to know, like, what was your your experience being on Twitch because I've heard from so many other different women on Twitch saying how hard it is especially because that industry is so overpopulated with male with men right and yeah. that goes with any industry I think like every a, a lot of different industries are overpopulated with men and that just it's just natural. And I think it's because like women, we don't speak up as often, either that could just be imposter syndrome or people don't, you know, give us the time of day to let us actually tell our stories or to, you know, voice our opinions. And I think it's so, so amazing that you're actually, you know, increasing that representation for women on screen and for example on Twitch so I want to know like we can go into that a little bit more too because you know we obviously know that you're on the one that got away Mm -hmm. but before we get into that tell us like what your experience is like on Twitch and how it kind of like shifted and how it has changed you know your perspective on woman representation on online and on Twitch.
1: Yeah so Already, it was tough as an influencer to be a female, I think, in my experience. But luckily, because so many females had entered the market, when I went to events, there were always, you know, other females there in the room to kind of support you, especially in fashion. I mean, luckily, that was, you know... I was always surrounded by female or or gay men. But like, usually it's not, you know, straight men who, you know, would harass me or whatever like that. I got like, I would get a few jabs here and there online. But because mostly my audience was female, it was totally fine. And the content that I was posting about was catered towards female, So I'd always, you know, cater towards a predominantly, you know, woman audience. During the pandemic, however, I, a lot of fashion and beauty brands had cut their marketing a lot. And that included social media marketing as well. So I was basically out of all of my campaigns for almost a year, I would say. And it was terrifying because how was I going to pay the bills? And how was I going to put food on my table? Like all of these things I was worried about all of a sudden, and I hadn't had to for a while. So I switched to gaming because I was playing this game called Animal Crossing. (laughs) And Again, luckily, a predominantly female actually game, too. So, you know, it's a it's a calmer game. It's it's about decorating your islands and like changing clothes. And I it really felt like I was being a fashion icon, but like in Animal Crossing, you know. So it was like the perfect game for me to be naturally gravitated towards. I actually wasn't even a gamer before then, but I picked it up because I was just like so sad and depressed about my life. And I was like, what do I do? my life i have no campaigns i have no work i have no gigs and i was like let me just take my stress out on this game started playing 10 hours a day and realized the addiction was real (laughs) and i started you know actually playing with my friends i found out that a lot of people online were actually playing the game so when i posted it on my instagram some of my community some of my friends were like oh i play that game too like we should play together sometime And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, let's do that. And I realized the camaraderie that was built just by gaming with people for so long during this really hard time. So one time my friend, he was like, you're so good at like talking on the spot. Have you thought about Twitch streaming? And I go, oh, no, 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 that's that's not for me. We're not doing that. I was like, I like everything to be edited. And like, you know, I think about it before it's posted And he was like, well, I know you like content creation. and You've been depressed about not being able to produce anything and make any money off of it. So maybe you can like try building your audience on a different platform while you're bored and sad. And I'm like, "Okay, no, I sat about I sat on it for like three months. And then after that, I was like, all right, screw it. Let me just try it. I have nothing else to do. I like learning new things. So I literally started and I was so scared. I actually did my first stream on my MacBook Pro, which is not a computer you should stream on, by the way. It will eat your processor alive and make it die. But I did it anyway. And I streamed for like six hours on my first stream. And then I knew, I was like, I'm in love with just building a community all the time. Like I, this is my calling. It was just so natural for me. And then the game play actually didn't save on my Twitch. So then I got really upset. And it took me a while to start streaming again. So I waited like a month. And the first consistent stream I did, I was literally no makeup. I did it on my phone. And it was literally a just chatting stream, like a FaceTime quality type of stream. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to press go live because if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I was like, it doesn't have to be perfect. So I literally just went live and I was just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I play Animal Crossing. How are you? I know the game's not on the screen, but I thought this was a great way to introduce myself to you guys. So that was my first stream. And then from then I was like, okay, well, I know in order to grow on anything, you have to be consistent. So I streamed four to five days a week and then I finally got my act together, (laughs) just started to stream Animal Crossing on my laptop for three months. And my laptop literally did die. So because you're not supposed to stream on that. I taught myself how to build a computer from scratch, just so it can handle both gaming and streaming at the same time. Because I realized in three months, I had grown so much. And it was like a new audience. And luckily, again, like I said, my audience was mostly female. So I didn't experience too much trolling yet. So that was three months built my computer. It started I started making like $200 a month to like eventually like $3,000 a month within six months. And I was like, I'm paying my bills again. Are you serious? (laughs) You know, I was like so excited. Like it was such a huge success story. And in six months, I also got Twitch partner, too. So I had grown like so much within such a short period of time. And, you know, once the Animal Crossing hype died down and like, you know, the game kind of concluded, it was again, right timing, right place. I think the game, you know, it launched. So, you know, I capitalized on that moment. And right now, even though my audience has dwindled because I, I changed into Fortnite mostly now, and I'm like trying out new games and I would guess I'm not as like organized because I have a lot going on, but I still stream three times a week. It was only when I started streaming on Fortnite and like did more just chatting streams where I would just chat for two hours before the game that I started to receive a lot of trolls and a lot of hate. So I swear like people just see a female on screen, especially if she's a minority and they will say like very sexist things or things about me being Asian. Like it was it was terrible. Like they would just be like, oh, my God, open your eyes or, you know, things like, why are you streaming on here? Like this is for boys or this is for men. You don't know what you're doing here. So I'd get a lot of, you know, hateful messages like that. And streaming is a little bit more difficult to manage because they're saying this stuff to you live and you have to think about how to respond to it in like a second versus, you know, something on Instagram or like a blog post. You can just kind of think about it and maybe delete it. Right. I did teach my mods to, you know, delete comments like that pretty quickly and like ban them so they don't affect me as much. But, you know, I have to choose between ignoring them Or sometimes I like to call them out because it's fun. But again, obviously, if it feeds too much into it, then you, you know, ban them. But I like to set an example for my community, since they are mostly females, that if a man talks to you like this or a boy talks to you like this, it's not always great to be silent about it because they're just going to keep doing it because they're not receiving any repercussions or any fighting back. And I'm definitely a person where I'm like, Like, hey, why did you feel like you needed to bring your trauma into my community? This is a place where we're trying to be positive here. So regardless of what I look like, you can keep your comments to yourself because they're obviously coming from a place of hurt. And I hope you get the help you need to become a more secure version of yourself. Like, I'm just like I say stuff like that to I just want to stand up for myself. And I I really hope like even in relationships, if their husband, if their boyfriend or their friend talks to them like this and they're uncomfortable to know that there are people like me that will say something back. And if you want to say something back, that's okay too. So that's why I do that on Twitch. And, you know, over time it like was really tough, but you do start to ignore these things and realize it's not about you. It's about them a lot. So that's what really got me through i would say twitch streaming for sure and now it's just i have amazing mods who know like if any of that happens they just ban them immediately and i just have to ignore them i just start focusing on the game again and why i'm streaming in the first place is to create a community of people together to feel comfortable i know a lot of people have said that like i've saved them like throughout the pandemic because i was like a sister to them or like a mom to them if they were younger and they I, I helped them a lot through their anxiety or their depression when they felt so alone being isolated and quarantined and when i remember like that's the reason why i stream and why it kept me going it kind of makes these little comments so minuscule and much easier to ignore so that that would be like my advice i guess you know just focus on why you did it in the first place and the more successful you become, the more haters you're
0: gonna get. So you're oh, doing yeah. something right. Definitely. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that because I oftentimes hate comments, it's really just a reflection of the person who's leaving that comment. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like they don't know you. They don't, you know, talk to you on a daily basis. So it's like, where do they found that find that foundation to actually have or comment that hate comment? Right. And I do agree with you, like, the bigger you get, the more hate you're going to get. And Mm -hmm. that's just natural. Like, you're going to get, you know, maybe uh, there's a lot of younger people on social media who just haven't really, you know, experienced a lot yet, and they don't really know, you know, the right things to say. And a lot of times it's just they're just projecting from themselves, and it's a reflection of who they are. But I agree with you, like, if you have the opportunity to educate them, then I think it's important for, you know, you to make an educated response in order for for you to, you know, teach them and, you know, make sure that they don't do it again. But exactly. sometimes like it doesn't it's not worth it to leave a comment. Exactly. It's not worth it to respond to them. So it really depends. You either not respond to them and delete their comment or ban them or you can, you know, try to educate them. And if they still don't change, if they still feel like they want to leave a he comment, At least, you know, that you did your part, you know, you did your part to educate them. And I'm glad that you were able to kind of like find the right way that worked for you in order to educate your followers and your your platform, the people who are following you. And so I love that advice. It's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean... You've done so much and it's just amazing to see how fast you've grown. And I just wanted to circle back on the fact that, you know, you just had your iPhone out. You didn't even have your makeup on. Oftentimes, like the ones that are like super laid back are the ones that do really well. And that goes for like TikTok too. Like I feel like people are so like honed in on making their content perfect that they spend so much time perfecting it. Oh, it has to be perfect. I have to edit it. I have to make sure the sound is good. But then most of the times when it's like the most laid back content, like when you're not even when you don't even have your makeup on or if you don't even like edit it, oftentimes it does really well because your audience or your followers feel like they're seeing your natural you. They're seeing the most real you. And so they're able to connect with you more. And I think that just goes to show like just just do it, like just post your content, just, you know, stream, just do it. But don't like, you know, worry too much about the minuscule stuff, which is like exactly what you did.
1: Yeah. People really appreciate authenticity yeah. and I know a bunch of friends and people who have come up to me and, you know, asked me for advice about social media. How do they start? And it's never about the skill or the fact that they don't have time to do this. I find that's usually an excuse. Most of where I think it comes from, why they feel like they can't start is definitely this need to be perfect. And this need to, you know, have the best equipment, photos and all of this. And if they can't achieve that level of greatness on their first post, they don't want to put it out there. And I find that really hinders a lot of budding entrepreneurs from taking that first leap of faith. There is a beauty in being able to embrace mistakes and embracing risk, because once you make these mistakes or these, you know, Faults that maybe you didn't want. There's at least a foundation you of like measurement in which you can improve upon, you know? So there's only up from the mistake. So that's where I look at, you know, success and why maybe I have a more positive outlook on trying new things is because I'm like, mistakes? I love those. Those are great because like tomorrow it's gonna be even better, you know? (laughs) Like there's no more, it can't get worse you know? And I really believe like the world is just, it's just fighting for balance. Like there's a lot of downs, but if it's down for so long, it's going to go up real soon. And that's what I really, really believe in. So, you know, just knowing that the universe has its way of balancing things out for you, then you don't really have to be afraid. Like a lot of people want to achieve this extreme level of happiness. Whereas like I view life as, you know, I'm trying to get to this level of contentment which has waves of happiness, sadness, depression. And that's normal. You just want to get as close to the middle as possible, but you don't have to go all the way up there, you know, because that's unrealistic. And that's where I think contentment comes from.
0: Absolutely. Yeah so I do want to shift the podcast a little bit and Mm -hmm. talk about the one that got away so (laughs) Casey you were casted as a lead along with Vince Mm Sue on the reality dating show the one that got away and it's on Prime Video and Amazon Freebie that just came out so this is the first time ever an Asian male and female have been casted as leads on an American reality dating show Mm -hmm. which is amazing and that's you know being in the bachelor or bachelorette role instead of a suitor. So tell us how this all happened. What was that experience like? And what was that process like? How did they did they approach you? Or did you reach out to them? And have you ever had any acting experience before?
1: Okay, so no to the acting experience. (laughs) I took like one acting class in high school. (laughs) But I never wanted to pursue that route. That's even harder than content creation. No, thanks. But (laughs) no, thank you. So actually, I had been reached out by MTV first and Viacom to so to actually star on another show. It was kind of similar to Bling Empire, but without the money. But it was about Asian entrepreneurs within a friend group. And that was before the pandemic started. I had made it to the final round, my friend group and I, and I was going to be the one in the middle, like the main character. And it was like my group of friends. Like I was going to be like, I was going to kind of be like Kevin Kreuter, I guess. But, like, you know, me. And they were in between an LA group and a New York group, and they were gonna fly south to California. And then, literally, that same week in March, I think it was 2018, that's when the pandemic happened. And it was a worldwide shutdown. And I was so upset because this was like the perfect show for me. And again, I was being able to represent Asian minorities again. So I was just like so excited to do it, but that never went through. So the casting recruiter was, you know, saying that they'll keep me in mind for future opportunities. And honestly, I didn't really think much of it because, you know, everyone who's ever applied for a job, you hear that all the time. Like, this is not a good fit at this moment, but we'll keep your resume on file for future opportunities. And then you like never hear back from them. So that really, I really thought I was never going to hear back from them ever fast forward two years later. I actually had just ended my seven and a half year relationship, actually. And that's when the one that got away, casting producers, reached out to me. I probably been about like six months out of the relationship to a year. And they said, we have this opportunity where you will get to date people from your past, whether they went to your school, you were in the voice class together, or it's a mutual friend that you know. And I was like, you're kidding me. This is perfect because I've always been such a monogamous type of relationship person. I've always been in a relationship. So I never got to date before ever. Like I've only been single for as long as maybe six months. So I had no idea what dating was about. I was like, this is perfect. I've definitely like, caught eyes with a cute guy in my class, but like couldn't say anything because I was in a relationship and I'm good at being loyal, you know, like all of these things. So I was like, oh my God, who has had a crush on me? Who would date me? I'm like, this is so exciting. So they really did follow through. They did think of me and the casting process was really long. It was six months because it wasn't just me. They were casting. It was me plus six other dates. Right that would want to show up for me quarantine for two weeks would need to take off their take off their job for a month and a half they'd have to take off and show up for me they'd have to be single like not married no kids and you know at 30 years old that's like a little difficult to find sometimes so you know there was definitely a, a longer casting process and it was like that for all six of us too yeah so they dug through our social media our instagram facebook everything. And then if they couldn't find anyone, they would ask us, okay, can you also submit a list of guys that might, you know, be interested in you and are single and from your past? And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) So that's kind of like how it happened. And none of us knew who was going to show up for us at the portal. And that's
0: how chaos happened on the show. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. That would be so much pressure for me. I'm like, I don't even know who to name. (laughs) It was crazy. There was a point
1: where there were like, some guys are falling through because they have jobs and they can't take off. And they were like really good candidates. And I'm like, uh uh-oh. So I literally go through my Facebook and I'm like, New York University, alphabetized. And I'm like, okay, this one, this one, this one, this one, high school. Okay, here we go. It was crazy. It felt so like regimented. And I wish I had people at the top of my mind. But like, a lot of them, you'd be surprised, like can't make this happen because of their their work and stuff.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, we're not going to give away too much about the show because we want our listeners to, you know, watch it themselves and find out what happens. But yes. it's just amazing how you and Vince have done so much to, you know, represent Asians on the show. And it, it, I think it's very special because there's a lot of other dating shows that are just only Asians. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do love seeing a lot more Asian reality dating shows on netflix Mm -hmm. but the one thing that's so special about the one that got away is that not everyone on this show is asian and so It just exemplifies, you know, Asian representation is so important. It's good to see Asians being on the same show as other, you know, ethnicities that are non-Asian. So it is really, really amazing to see. What was that one thing that you kind of learned from the reality dating show that, you know, you could take away from you just in in regards to Asian representation and woman representation from the show?
1: You know, really stick to your guns, I would say, is the best lesson I've learned. And really know who you are and don't settle for anybody you know if you're sacrificing so much of yourself to give to someone else that's not the person for you even though this person will show how much they adore you or they're being a gentleman and they're doing all the right things if they're not uplifting you if they're not challenging challenging you to become a better person this this is not a right fit for you you know i've realized you're not supposed to be in a relationship to fulfill your happiness. You're wanting to be in a relationship or finding that partner to complement your happiness. And I think that's the most important lesson, you know, that I've learned that I really need to be happy about myself and where I am in life before I can even chip away at that and like share it with someone else. And that other partner should also be thinking the same thing. There's so many codependent relationships out there that are super unhealthy and you can see in the beginning of the show i kind of have that and i'm struggling with like my past self and my past choices in relationships where is if the guy is being an amazing suitor and saying all the right things i'm like oh my god i'm in love you know (laughs) and it would fool me you know and that's not who i should be picking to share with you know in my life so now i'm like extremely more selective in who would possibly be like my next boyfriend, because I would hopefully want them to be my husband too. So I definitely want them to, you know, not only say the right things, but do the right things and show me that, you know, they really do appreciate and value me and want me to grow individually too.
0: Yeah, spot on. And that can go for relationships, business partners, like your community, everything. everything. Friendships. Yeah. Like friendships. Oh my god. Right. And it's so yeah. easy for, you know, a lot of people to kind of have this, you know. I don't know, face or mask to, you know, try to show that they're like the best person. But, you know, you have to make sure that their values align with yours. And, you know, this could go for your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever business partner, friend, whatever it may be, like, I think that's a really, really good lesson and advice that you gave, you know, just make sure that that person has your best interests and vice versa, right? Because there's a lot of people who might not have that for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I've also
1: like learned how to put even like friendships in different categories almost. It's like, okay, so here are the friends that I can share everything with, my soul, my heart, my everything. And then here are friends that are like, you know, maybe they're more acquaintances or like business professionals and we can keep friendly like that. And there's people that you don't really get along with and maybe you'll just see them when you see them, right? And then there's people obviously you really don't like, which hopefully is not that many. So it's like when you meet someone, it's almost like you have to put them in these four different categories. And it's a really interesting process. Like I'm learning as an adult that like I used to put everyone in the first category, like let's share everything with them. Like I want to be best friends with everyone, but I realized like not everyone wants that and it can hurt you if you put too much of like your heart on your sleeve, like in that way. So
0: I've definitely been learning that through, through friendships too. Yeah, absolutely. So Casey, what's next for you in, let's say the next five years, what do you have planned for yourself? And do you have anything that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Yeah. So basically like on my Twitch streams, I'm doing some sort of, I guess like a talk show soon, like setup up where I'm going to be inviting other entrepreneurs. I'm going to like favor the Asian people, but like, you know, I'm not just going to do that, but you know, like uplifting entrepreneurs and content creators and being able to tell their story is something that I really want to do and like give back. And also again, my, my gaming tech brand as well. I'm hoping that in five years it should launch by then. (laughs) And I'm hoping that it's, you know, successful and yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll make another TV appearance, hopefully not a dating show, (laughs) maybe something else that's more focused on like either my life or my entrepreneurship, you know, something that's also uplifting, but you know, in a, in a different way. And then hopefully in five years, I'm like married as well.
0: <laughs> so all of these,
1: these good things, like, you know, hopefully You'll be able to expect and see from me
0: in five years. <laughs> Yay! We can't wait. And I know for sure those things are all going to happen. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Casey, we have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. And that is if you could give one advice to someone who is trying to find their voice and trying to, you know, represent themselves, whether they be you know, Asian or any other minority group or as a woman even, what would that one advice be? I would say, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. You know,
1: know your value, know your worth. Make sure people know that. Don't shove it in their face and say like, I'm the best, (laughs) but show it through your actions and really exude that confidence that you have. The world is full of haters. You cannot stop them. But like, Don't let that stop you from being the best person you are, you know?
0: Yeah. Love that advice. Thank you so much for that. Of course. So where can our listeners find out more about you online and the one that got away? So you can watch the one that got away. It's streaming on Amazon prime
1: and on Amazon freebie, which is a free service. So even if you don't have prime, you can watch it as well. And I'm Casey Ma on all socials, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitch. You'll actually be able to talk to me live on Twitch. So that's really cool. And on Twitter, Casey Ma with two underscores. I don't know who took my name, but someone did.
0: <laughs> awesome. We'll leave all of that in our show notes of this episode. Casey, thank you so Perfect. much for sharing your story with us. It was amazing having you on our show today. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show
0: we would like to get to the top 10 on itunes so be sure to leave us a five-star review we release an episode every single wednesday so stay tuned thank you guys so much